everybody, Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about the best picture of 1960. We are uh, on the cusp of the, of the 50s here. We've been working our way back. Uh, but in order to do so, I will welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? Hi. I, I, so I made myself laugh because almost every time you introduce these, uh, I want to just... Well, go ahead and do it as if you're interrupt, as if you're uh, uh, starting up a new episode. All right. Um, hey, everybody, Tyler Smith here, and I'm Josh. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that almost every time, and I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah, please don't. But that it's funny great. in my head. Sure. And now you know why. Yeah, it's funny. Now I don't have to do it because I did it. There you go. <laughs> That's. I'm glad that you put it that way. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we are going to be talking about Billy Wilder's The Apartment, as I said, made in 1960, uh, written by Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond. What do those three letters stand for? Do you have any idea? I kind of hope the first one's Ian, because then it's, yeah. al- it's, it's almost, almost as if his internet is uh, uh, the uh, initials spell his first name. Sure. I like to say it's, uh, I am loving. I am loving Diamond. If only his last name was Diamonds. Oh. Um, so uh, the film stars Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray, uh, Ray Walston, and Jack Crucian. Um, the film won Best Picture, Director, Original Screenplay, Art Direction, and Editing. It was nominated for Best Actor for Jack Lemmon, Best uh, Actress for Shirley MacLaine, Best Supporting Actor for Jack Crucian, uh, Best Cinematography, and Best Sound. All right. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. I've seen it a few times now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it. In some cases, I really like it. I'm not sure if I would say I love it. I'm actually looking to see if I own it. I do own it. Good for me. Yeah. Um, I wish I had remembered that. I could have rewatched it, <laughs> uh, but I forgot. Um, yeah, it's a movie that I that I really like, and I think it's... It marks a not necessarily a change in Billy Wilder, but it's 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 an odd entry in in Billy Wilder's filmography. It is. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem to fit with some of his other ones because most of his comedies are just kind of straightforward comedies. Something yeah. like uh, some like it hot or or uh, one two three or one of these ones. It's just a straight up funny comedy, and. Um, then he'll go to something like Double Indemnity, which is much more, uh, it's, it's a more of a genre thing, but, but it's like, it's very specific to that. This one kind of falls in between like being, well, and he also did like the lost weekend. Yeah. Which, which is a drama with really no humor in it at all. Um, and it's one that's very specific. It is Mm -hmm. a drama about alcoholism and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. This is such a... It's a movie that at times seems almost slight in mm-hmm. both its comedy and its drama. The comedy isn't really laugh-out-loud comedy. Yeah. And the drama isn't like isn't like melodrama or weepy or anything like that. It's this odd... It's a very odd movie. It almost feels like he's he's trying to make an Ernst Lubitsch movie, if that makes sense to you. Cause, and I've read stuff he's written where he even talks about that being uh, how people admired that so much of the time him being able to have this touch that was sort of between the two where uh, it still had enough 
kind of uh, emotionally strong drama, but also was funny at the same time. And I, f- yeah. I feel like that's kind of where the apartment lies in his filmography. And I definitely think it does balance the two. Uh, yeah, no, well. absolutely. Um, and I honestly think, I feel like if you have somebody other than Jack Lemon, this thing doesn't work as well. Hmm. Like he is, as it turns out, the perfect actor for this character to play C.C. Baxter, which is a 1960 name <laughs> movie name if ever I heard one. Um, and, you know, what I had seen of uh, Jack Lemmon before this, including Some Like It Hot and Mr. Roberts and that sort of thing, for which he won uh, an Oscar for mm-hmm. a supporting actor, uh, I didn't really care for, for Jack Lemmon as a full-on comedic actor. Hmm. Um, I thought he was very broad. I'm sure he, he worked very well for the time, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was very broad, and I didn't really respond to it that well. And then something like this comes along, and the comedy is played way down, but it's still there. Yeah. Uh, but the drama isn't there yet. You know, he's not at Glengarry Glen Ross yeah. or, or Save the Tiger, for which he won yeah. Best Actor. Um, you know, he himself is in a state of transition as an actor, and it's it's really fascinating. And I, and I feel like I feel like you need an actor who is who was com- who is inherently comedic first hmm. moving into drama as opposed to a dramatic actor who's going to do some comedy. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the key to the, making this work because if you look at the story of the apartment, it is very depressing, super depressing. Uh, I mean, to an extent that a character attempts suicide and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And, uh, a main character is just being walked all over by a, yeah, like by his, his boss. His whole existence of just yeah, being walked over and being uh, basically subjugating himself yeah to the people around him just because he doesn't see any other way. Yeah, it, you know, it's something that like uh, you know the uh, the Italian neo realist would have a field day with um, <laughs> if any of those characters had offices. Yeah. Uh, or homes. Or homes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, suddenly the apartment seems bright and sunny. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Uh, but it could it, it it could be a very emotionally oppressive and just completely downbeat. But the fact that his character is so up um, is something that I find fascinating because it keeps things from getting too heavy while also making him more tragic than if he were simply depressed all the time. Yeah. The fact that he can be positive, but you also see that he's making an effort to be positive, mm-hmm. um, just makes the whole thing... It's not depressing, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, but it's still so remarkably watchable. I think I might be talking myself into liking this movie more than I do. And I do like it. Yeah. But I think I might really like it now that I'm talking about just what a balancing act it is. Well, and there's something really interesting about that character. I feel like every now and then we come across characters that we talk about on this show that it's like there's there's nothing really exactly like that character. Or, or it has such a spe- uh, specificity to a certain type of character that it... Mm-hmm. Uh, that it has to stand out. Well, and it's also, yeah, I can't think of a lot of characters like him 
especially characters that are leads. Yeah. It's it's a character that you might find in a supporting role from time to time. Right. Um you know, off the top of my head I'm thinking of like somebody like a like Steve Buscemi in Ghost World, but he is a guy who's not very optimistic. That's the other thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking of <laughs> the the only character I can think of is Butters from South Park, <laughs> who is upbeat and tries and tries his hardest, but is in a his family is awful and is he's constantly mistreated by his friends, <laughs> but it doesn't change his demeanor. But the difference is that for whatever reason, when thing, bad things happen to Butters, I love it. Um, <laughs> but I don't want bad things to happen to C.C. Baxter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want him to be, uh, you know, I want him to to find happiness, like real happiness. Um, and and I wonder if, you know, when we when we talk about movies, we talked about West Side Story last week, which was actually more of its time than I recalled. Um, I wonder if a movie like The Apartment is, it's definitely, it definitely has modern sensibilities. When you look at building a movie around this character, like think about, yeah, I mean, think about the movies in the 1950s and certainly the 1940s. A character like this is not your lead. No, absolutely not. Humphrey Bogart would look at Humphrey Bogart would look at this guy and be like, uh, why don't you get get your stuff together, man? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's arguable whether maybe somebody like a Jimmy Stewart could play a character like this, but again, like there's, there's a tragedy to somebody like a Jefferson Smith cause he's, he's a little bit naive, but mm-hmm. he's not pathetic. Um, right. whereas CC Baxter's kind of pathetic. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, Jimmy Stewart brings with him kind of a necessary charisma that, not to say Jack Lemmon isn't a charismatic actor, but at least in this performance, the, a lot of that's deflated out of it. And he yeah. tends to play sort of this... Deflated is a good word for a lot of the characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he tends to play kind of nervous, um, uh, put-upon mm-hmm. characters. And so he's a, he is a better choice for this type of, of lead. Well, you know, in many ways, it's... When I say it's a modern sensibility, I feel like We've seen characters that are sort of like an everyman, mm-hmm. um, and you know now that I, now that I think about it, I think like this character is kind of similar to maybe Lester Burnham from American Beauty, which is interesting considering how much uh, Kevin Spacey like regularly talked about like seeing Jack Lemmon as like a, a hero of his, hmm. um, but just a guy who's just in a bad situation. But even even Lester Burnham can act out. Yeah, uh, and that that's... aggressively, and that's just not in CC Baxter. Like CC Baxter is like the quintessential like a guy living a life of quiet desperation, yeah. and is just trying to make do. Yeah, um, and I I think there's always something. These characters don't pop up that often, but when they do, and it works well, they're fascinating. These characters that we can see uh, flaws in them that are causing them not to be happy. Yeah, but the film isn't about them discovering those flaws necessarily. Right. It's just about here's a certain type of person that does not realize something about themselves and maybe never will. And that's not entirely true because I think he does near the end. Things are going to change for him. And you you could, you, you could say that maybe he's, 
But the movie's not about him tackling those issues. Exactly. No, not at all. It's, it's about this other thing. And the issue gets tackled almost by default, uh, but not because he made any choice to do so. Right. Um, yeah, it's... There's such there's such a complexity to this film that you wouldn't immediately. I mean, you know, we're t- we're dealing with characters who you know attempt suicide. Like, there's a complexity there, certainly emotionally. But just you know, when you watch the film, it does seem it definitely takes its cues from C.C. Baxter, who I think would probably describe himself as kind of a simple guy or an easygoing guy. Um, but there's so much underneath the surface, and I feel like the film is very much very much like that it, it takes yeah. on his his personality yeah which is maybe why the film feels so unique is because he is a unique character you don't see yeah. him very much um i think it's more likely that you see him in life than in movies oh yeah you know yeah. i've i've known people like baxter i have at times been somebody like baxter mm-hmm. except probably not as optimistic um so uh <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, it's late. We're both feeling kind of punchy, and we I I let my uh, my little kitten Molly in, and she is uh, taking a place at the table. So I do apologize, everybody. Um, so uh, so would you say that you like the apartment? Uh, I do. For the most part, would you say yeah. you really like it? I haven't seen it recently or enough to say whether I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I've never seen a Billy Wilder movie that I didn't like. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of them. I, I certainly haven't seen all, but I have to have seen six or seven. And Did he do Stalag 17? Yeah, he did okay. Stalag 17. Yeah, I've probably seen six or seven at this and point. And then, you know, Sunset Boulevard and like... Yeah. There, when you... If you're if you're new to film for any reason, uh, and you go back and you start looking at Billy Wilder's filmography, you're like, how how did he do all of these great movies? Yeah, how's that even possible? But he did. Yeah, and it's uh, and he's a he's a director. He won Best Director twice, mm-hmm. but he wasn't he he's not David Lean, you know, or Steven Spielberg like. David Lean won for Bridge on the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia. Spielberg won for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Billy Wilder won for The Lost Weekend and The Apartment. Like, small movies. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's something that I find so infinitely fascinating is just his role in in film history. Yeah. And I do think it's a bit of a travesty that uh, Sunset Boulevard did not get uh, the recognition that it deserved uh, yeah. from, from the Academy. It got nominations and stuff, but it didn't mm-hmm. win anything. Yeah. And also just the fact that he was able to, and you know, I think I'm trying to think of that story. I was about to say journeyman directors were kind of more of a thing than um, that might be true. I think it was less often that the auteur, filmmaker was around back then just because of the nature of the studio system and everything like that. Right. I, I think so. And, and I think, uh, an argument could be made that I was reading something recently, um, that was written in the sixties and that, uh, people did not consider Billy Wilder to be an auteur. They mm. saw, they saw him more as a journeyman. I mean, we talked about how his films kind of have a, uh, they are a little bit varied, but, to me, I feel like he's almost an emotional auteur. Like, there's definitely a cynicism, there's a darkness, mm-hmm. even in the midst of comedy, yeah. uh, to his to his movies that I think 
sets him apart. Like if you watched several of his of his movies in a row, you would definitely feel like these characters kind of live in the same universe and yeah, and they they that they all spring out of the same mind. I, right. I definitely think that. Yeah, and like as uh, whether you think of him as an auteur or a journeyman, the fact that he was able to so deftly create both comedies and dramas. It's never like, here's a guy who does dramas who's going to try his hand at comedy or vice right. versa. He he seems always an expert at both. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, and he would often incorporate one into the other. And yeah. I think, but I think he, he often, um, something would be primarily a comedy or primarily a drama or a noir or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and would have these other, other elements, but I do feel like the apartment, what makes it such an anomaly is that it is, I think truly half and half. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's another movie like this that he made and maybe I'm just not remembering, but I, I really can't think of one. Yeah. And I, I haven't seen all of his films, but yeah, I, I agree. I do think there's, there's an odd element to Stalag 17 where there is, yeah. you know, I mean, we're dealing with a, a prisoner of war camp, prisoner of war yeah. camp. Um, but it, there are times when it's a little, I mean, it was the, the inspiration for Hogan's heroes, right? Not, never quite as silly as that, but mm-hmm. you know, there are moments in the film that are kind of light um but then there are all the other moments where people are killed yeah so i feel like that that might be the closest we get to this but at the same time um i don't know the the the, the small but there that's still kind of a high concept movie you know yeah. no, the apartment is. is not a high concept no movie. um and i feel like we'll we will get to this eventually but i'm i keep thinking of a comparison to the film marty i could see that which is another film which is about a seemingly unremarkable guy, mm. a type that you wouldn't expect to be the, the, a, a leading man yeah, and, uh, kind of small in its scale. Mm. So, uh, yeah, listeners, if you have not seen the apartment, um, you know, I, we haven't really spoiled much for it. We do mention that there's a, a suicide attempt, but we don't say who it is. Um, yeah, seek it out. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, I feel like if you are a fan of comedy, if you're a fan of drama, if you're a fan of just film in general, I feel like The Apartment is a unique enough film, not merely in the filmography of Billy Wilder, but but also just in in movies in general. You just even now you don't see a lot of movies like this. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like an Alexander Payne was uh, inspired by this kind. I of I could totally see that. Yeah. Um, cause there's definitely a, an about Schmidt or sideways, uh, element, mm-hmm. um, that, that harkens back to this. But, yeah. um, so looking at the other best picture nominees, we've got the Alamo, Elmer Gantry, Sons and Lovers, and the Sundowners. I have not seen the Alamo. I have, there's the first time hearing of Sons and Lovers, and I actually typed this out. Uh, I have heard of the Sundowners, but I haven't seen it. I have only seen Elmer Gantry of these. I haven't seen any of them. You didn't see Elmer Gantry? I'm pretty sure that didn't you? Tr- didn't it was the companion film for Believe Me? Didn't you watch it? No, because I couldn't find the That's film right. anywhere in time, so I watched clips from it online. That's right. But that was all I could find. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've seen it a couple of times, and it's a, it's a very good movie. I, I believe. Um, yeah, Jack Lemmon lost Best Actor to Burt Lancaster for Elmer Gantry. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure that the Alamo is a perfectly fine film. I have an idea of what it is mm. um, and what it must be like. <laughs> it's a 
It's a John Wayne movie about the Alamo. I think we got it. <laughs> um, I have no idea what Sons and Lovers is about, and no, I, don't I don't think either. I know what the Sundowners is. Uh, I have an image in my head only to realize, no, I'm thinking of the Misfits. Um, no. <laughs> uh, the band. So, uh, so yeah, for me, I guess it's between Elmer Gantry and the apartment. Yeah. Uh, and I think I would prefer the apartment over Elmer Gantry. Um, there's a lot going on in Elmer Gantry that I think is interesting, but I think uh, the apartment is a... Because I think Elmer Gantry is a film that, that is very much about a specific thing that was happening at the time, or at least in the last few decades, which is this idea of, of revivalism. Oh, um, right, and, yeah. And just the, the way that it could give... Uh, how it could give way to, to hucksterism, which I think is still a, still a relevant idea today, but and I guess it was kind of risky for taking that on. But to me, what the apartment manages to achieve and the way that anybody can watch that movie and see themselves in these characters, um, regardless of what kind of job you have, regardless of if you're married or single or whatever it is. Um, I think the apartment is doing something more remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. Looking at other notable 1960 releases, 1960 was a good year. Yeah, it was. Uh, you've got La Ventura, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is very good. Breathless, La Dolce, La Dolce Vita, Exodus, Eyes Without a Face, Inherit the Wind, The Magnificent Seven, Peeping Tom, Psycho, Purple Noon, Shoot the Piano Player, Spartacus, uh, and, and a number of others. But, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, could be in the running for Best Picture. Certainly... Yeah. Um, the Apartment is a, is a movie that has not certainly not been forgotten uh, by by film people, but compared to something like La Dolce Vita, Psycho, yeah. Breathless, um, Magnificent Seven, Ventura, it's Magnificent getting a Seven, remake this year, which I'm excited for, actually, oddly enough, um, uh, and Spartacus. You know, like mm. these are movies that I think have made a, a bigger impact over the years uh, than The Apartment. But that's the thing is the the appropriately the apartment isn't that kind of movie it's yeah. it's not like cc baxter he's he's just out to do his job and live his life you know he's not out to be spartacus <laughs> or norman bates yeah or uh you know those uh vapid characters from breathless um <laughs> well it's funny looking through the and again i haven't seen any of the other best picture nominees well i looked up sons and lovers it's a adaptation of a D.H. Lawrence novel some right. drama type thing with uh, Donald Pleasance in it apparently nice. um, but uh, none of these that I know of seem like best picture material none of them um, I could see Elmer Gantry maybe Elmer Gantry maybe but again I haven't seen but the Elmer whole Gantry thing but Elmer Gantry appropriately is it's more of a of an acting thing and, yeah. and some art direction as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't inherently seem like a, a best picture. The Alamo might sh just from a spectacle standpoint could be. Um, yeah. And it's historical and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, but then like a lot of these ones are, uh, are either notable because they were different enough. Yeah like something like Breathless or Peeping Tom or yeah. Psycho, all of those kind of bucked uh, an expectations, yeah. uh, expectations of the audiences. And that's one of the reasons we remember them um, or else they're films that were too genre to, yeah, to like win, Eyes like, Without a Face or Magnificent like Seven. Yeah. 
But how on earth Spartacus does not get nominated is beyond me. Now that we're going through that again, Spartacus does seem like one that kind of yeah. could be. But then again, this is the year after Ben-Hur won Best Picture. Yeah, that's true. So I can definitely see the Academy being like, we're not doing two sword and sandal things like this. Two, you know, two sword and sandal epics two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah, it might be that. And, and you know, I, I could see them... I could see Ben Hur still being in their in their head, yeah, uh, when and they see being, Spartacus, and probably thinking that Spartacus comes up short, yeah, and especially because, you know, Ben Hur not only was it wildly popular at the box office, but it won eleven Academy Awards, yeah. still tied for the record, correct? I think Return of the King actually beat it. I think, or maybe Is I don't know. True? I thought it had thirteen. Um, maybe I don't know. Hang on one. Uh, hang on a second. Let's hang on. All right, here we go. Picture, director, screenplay. No, don't do it this way. It's going to take forever. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, and I think Spartacus actually won some technical awards, and it actually won Best Supporting Actor for Peter Ustinov. But, um, oh, that's right. Uh, one of two Oscars he won, which is awesome. I'm a big fan of Peter Ustinov. Mm. I've always liked him. Um, but, yeah, that's the one that actually surprised me as far as, as far as not even being nominated. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to say, like, well, we don't want to give Best Picture to two sword and sandal epics in a row mm -hmm. but to not even nominate it is, is yeah, fascinating to me it's true um of these films uh that came out this year the one that i have seen by far the most swiss family robinson oh yeah so i, I watched tape of that kid. kid yeah i used to watch that all the time uh i think as a grown-up uh it, i think psycho has probably beaten it just because mm. once i started watching it, i didn't stop um i haven't seen swiss family robinson in a while no i haven't either um but uh but I'll say this, that when I, uh, when I saw Bridge on the Reply for the first time, and I saw Colonel Saito, I said, hey, that's the pirate from Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, looking at this, I mean, these are, these are some great movies. And, yeah. and I don't mean to say that the, that the apartment doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same breath as these. But, uh, you know, and also, you and I talk about what a best picture is, you know. And Psycho is not really a best picture. But then neither is The Apartment. Yeah. So, like, clearly they were thinking a little bit outside the box this year, um, which I think is kind of great. Um, but that might have been... Psycho might be too far outside the box. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Same with Peeping Tom. It, definitely with Peeping Tom. Yeah. Peeping Tom, yeah. Psycho got mainstream success. Peeping yeah. Tom destroyed Michael Powell's career. <laughs> um and it's interesting that the two movies came out the same year. Cause yeah, it really is interesting. Very similar. Yeah. Uh, in some ways. Um, I haven't seen Laventer. I know that a lot of people love it. Uh, I that, I respect Breathless. I don't really respond to it. Yeah. Laventer is one of those ones that... Uh, that's It's certainly not best. I don't think any Antonioni film is ever going to be best picture material. It, it, I only saw... I saw Blow Up. Uh, wait. Blow up or blow out? Blow up. Yeah, blow out is the De Palma one. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, all of his films have this kind of, and I think I've only seen three, but uh, they're very, they're not plot-based, really. Like, the plot is kind of a setting for him to do something else, and so they're they're certainly not for mainstream Hollywood audiences. So as beautiful as the film is and as kind of interesting it is and what it's what it's exploring it's not at all best picture material and i have i've told that i would like 
I've only seen one Fellini film, which is Eight and a Half, which mm-hmm. I didn't care for very much. But people have told me that I would like La Dolce Vita. Um, is that a best picture type of movie? I mean, from what people have told me, I could I could see it. I could see, it, but but this early in the Oscars, mm. a, a foreign film winning is kind of. I don't think it would happen. Yeah, that definitely not. But as far as uh, as putting that aside, as far as the type of movie that it is, I could see that because it is, it is, uh, it's large scale. Yeah. But it's not really an epic. It's not an epic. Um, and it hinges a lot on one performance. But that's, you know, the the case with a lot of other best picture winners and long best picture winners too. So I, I don't know. It it might you know what? I, I could see people saying that it doesn't have enough uh direct emotional connection in it mm-hmm. to to be a best picture contender. Okay. Um which yeah, is Yeah, so you know what I have uh, I haven't seen Exodus, but what I've heard about it that does actually seem like a best picture nominee. Yeah. Um, just because it, there's an epic quality to it, um, and it has to, and there's like uh, deals with anti-Semitism in some cases. I I believe if it's the movie I'm thinking of. Um, but uh, and you know I could also see Inherit the Wind uh, being a movie that they latched onto. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, at the same time, yeah, this is a it's an interesting year for movies that have gone on to be really remembered, but just they're either genre movies or they're just just uh, non mainstream enough or whatever you want to however you want to say that yeah um, to not really be in the running. So um, with the exception of Spartacus, that one really does surprise me. Um, so yeah, I think. Uh, the apartment winning best picture. When you think like all of these other movies are a little bit too off the beaten path for the Oscars, but then so is the apartment, but it's the closest to the beaten path <laughs> while still not being there. Definitely. Um, and so I actually, while there are a number of movies this year that I like more than The Apartment, I actually respect The Apartment quite a bit. And I actually, mm. I look at that movie w- winning Best Picture as as like a really great move in a, in a very specific direction yeah. for the Oscars. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that they're willing to, that they're, you know, <laughs> Ben-Hur won the year before. Mm-hmm. And then they go with the apartment. I mean, I can't think of anything more different. <laughs> what would those two characters uh, do together? That'd be quite an odd couple. Charlton Heston doesn't play Oscar. <laughs> Why did you say that? <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Although if he did, I would enjoy it. I think it would go yeah. a little something <laughs> like this. I, I'm more looking forward to the uh, Ben-Hur played by Walter Matthau. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and and I could really go for uh, Jack Lemmon and Spartacus. Uh, I I, uh, uh, I, uh, I I I'm Spartacus. Um, so uh, that's a terrible Jack Lemmon, by the way. I apologize. Um, it's I'm basically I'm basically just doing Gil from The Simpsons. Because I think you're doing somebody else doing. Yeah, I think that might be Phil Hartman doing. Jack sure, Lemon. 
so yeah, I think we'll we'll go ahead and leave it there. Once again, see the apartment if you can, but uh, but see a lot of these other movies as well. You know, see uh, see Breathless. I didn't love it, but go and see it anyway. See Eyes Without a Face, Magnificent Seven, Peeping Tom, Psycho, Shoot the Piano Player, Spartacus. Go see Swiss Family Robinson. Go obviously. see it. Um, There's a guy riding on an ostrich. I'm sure animal rights activists would not be okay with Tommy that Tommy Kirk, nowadays. I believe, right? Uh, is, yeah, I think is, so. Is, is that guy, yeah. And then there's the the youngest kid that you just want to punch in the face because he caught a tiger or whatever. You remember? Oh, yeah. We yeah. got to watch with Stanley Robinson again. He was annoying. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so we will uh, leave it there. Next week, um, the episode is going to be a little strange. Uh, it's going to be a guest episode, by which I mean... I'm not going to be the primary host of this thing. Uh, one of our other contributors is going to be essentially hosting the show, and I think he's going to be doing it alone. So uh, it's going to be a little strange. Um, this is something that might happen more often over the next uh, couple of months as I try to figure out what my schedule is going to look at, look like because I'll be starting school, uh, you know, proper, uh, not just this one class thing that I did in, in uh, during the summer. Uh, so I'm going to be working, I'm going to be going to school, I'm going to be doing Battleship Pretension, I'm going to be doing more than one lesson, uh, I'm going to try to have a good marriage. Um, so it's juggling all those things, I might need to do stuff like this from time to time. So uh, so just bear with me and uh, hopefully you will enjoy next week's, uh, next week's episode. Uh, in the meantime, you can email me at tyleratmorethanonelesson.com. Uh, you can uh, like us on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, at More Lessons. Uh, you can follow Josh on Twitter. At the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. Very exciting. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. We'll get you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm.